0: Hello, good evening. Hello. I'm not very good at these openings for, for podcasts so far. As an old hand, what do you suggest?
1: Dive into it, that's all. Just start yapping. The, the only thing people don't like is giant swaths of dead air. So as long as you're yammering, it doesn't matter how inane or gobbledygookish, as long as there are sounds coming under your yap, people are like, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll sit in for this.
0: <laughs> Okie okay. dokie, I'll do just that then. And welcome to another episode of Corner Gas Fan Corner's Jackass Cast, Episode 4, being brought to you today in glorious 3D. Hopefully you received your Corner Gas Fan Corner 3D glasses in the post the last couple of days. I'll put them on now. Now, this is episode 4. I wasn't expecting to bring you another episode quite so quickly. But I had the opportunity to speak to uh, somebody very special and what with us being at the time of recording about a week away from season two of Corner Gas Animated being broadcast July the 1st on Comedy Network in Canada, I thought I'd best get this to you as quickly as possible. I was very lucky and honoured to have Mr. Brent Butt sit down with me, take time out of his hectic schedule to chat all things Corner Gas Animated and many other things besides. Now I do these things as a, uh, these interviews as a video on Skype, mainly because I find it is easier than doing it over the phone. Because when you're on the phone, you can't see how somebody's reacting. You tend to talk over each other and it makes it harder to edit things up when I'm doing this part of the uh, recording. Now I have built myself a little studio in my garage, but there's a light above me that buzzes like a crazy loon. And it sounds like I'm being attacked by killer bees. So I have to do the interview part of things in my kitchen on our dining room table for the time being. And in the past few weeks, I've noticed that because of the size of the table where my laptop is, I've been sitting far too far away from the microphone and my voice isn't very loud. So this time I decided I best make myself aware of that and lean forward so people can hear me a little bit clearer. But what I didn't take into consideration is my proximity to the camera. For the next hour, Brent would be essentially looking at my huge melon, just staring at him in the uh, screen his end. Essentially, for the best part of an hour, Brent was looking up my hooter. And I apologise for that. I didn't realise till after... I finished talking to him and looked at the footage. So uh, that was that was pleasant. For him. He just takes all that time to speak to me and that's what he gets. He gets to look up my nasal cavities. So I do apologise. But uh, we had a great time, a great chat. So, get yourself a big old cup of coffee, a chilli cheese dog. Sit back, relax. Take the weight off your feet. Let your bum take the strain. Don't forget to keep your 3D glasses on because there's a few zingers come flying straight at you. So enjoy my chat with Mr. Brent I suppose first thing is congratulations for all the awards and everything. Oh, well, thank else. you. And and thank you for spending time with me as well. I haven't done that yet as well. So.
1: Always a pleasure, Ian.
0: So we had the it was the Canadian Screen Guild Awards, Yo Awards, and the Rockies. Have I missed anything else?
1: Yeah, we were nominated for a Rocky Award for best animated programmer series. That's at the World Media. We we lost to a show from Australia. Uh really good. It looks like a very good show. So yeah. I'm okay losing to a show that looks good. If it, if it had looked terrible, I would be really sour about it. So, called uh, The Twist. They kind of animate true crime stories. That's the vibe that I got when I was about oh, it okay. very good. It's not like well, a laugh-a-minute show, you know. It's about murder and what have you. <laughs> it's looks like it's very well done.
0: What was interesting about The Leos was that everyone was up against everybody else from the show. I mean, you were up against... Andrew, and then Fred was up against Lawn, albeit for different projects. I spoke to Andrew a few weeks ago. I said, what if it came to a draw between yourself and Brent, how would you have settled the uh, dispute?
1: We would have sat down and, you know, peacefully determined who signs whose checks we'd go (laughs) from there.
0: Oh, fair enough. The weight was sort of wavering in your favor there, just as slightly.
1: Yeah, you got to put yourself in that position. Negotiate from a position of, uh, hey, hang on, I, I signed your checks, right? That's a, <laughs> that's a good way to start.
0: I suggested tiddlywinks or arm wrestling, but then you've got uh, you've got an advantage on arm wrestling as well.
1: Yeah, I'd happily arm wrestle for the trophy. But I, how about think, tiddlywinks. You know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but as a former, you know, quasi competitive arm wrestler, there's I don't think there are a lot of uh, writers in the animation world that I can't beat in an arm wrestle.
0: Really? What well, 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 with drawing all that stuff? They must get quite good biceps.
1: No, it's all sad. They're uh, under fluorescent lights all day, staring at cathode ray tubes. These skinny little weak arms, pushing their little electronic pencil around. Nothing to it.
0: Yeah, but psychologically, that might mess them up as well. And then they'll be like,
1: you gotta... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not saying they couldn't uh, lash out and kill me. I'm just saying, <laughs> just straight up arm wrestling. Well, so, um, you know, Andrew such an old pal of mine. I've known Andrew since 1988. Yeah, we, it would take a lot for Andrew and I to go at each other in anything so, other than a civil way.
0: <laughs> so you're, you're old stand-up chums.
1: Yeah, I met him in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan on an amateur night at a comedy club. We were both two keen young guys trying to do stand-up. That's where yeah. we met and We became fast friends. He was from a small town in Saskatchewan, like myself. He's from Humboldt. And uh, so we, we bonded on that level.
0: Did, did you come up together
1: yeah he was uh, a few months ahead of me he had done a few amateur nights by the time i came in there for my first one but ostensibly you know we're generationally uh, we're of the same generation comedian we yeah. started on amateur night at the same time roughly
0: i'm gonna wind you back a little bit um because i know there's a, quite a few new fans that are listening so we go back to the original show 107 episodes and the movie both massive successes. Can you bring us up to date as to how the animated show came along?
1: How it's doing? Yeah, or how, or how, 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 it, how, how it came how, to be. Just
0: stated and how it came to be, and then... Sure.
1: So yeah, after we did the, the six seasons, the 107 original episodes, we always kind of thought, wouldn't it be nice if we could come back and do a movie? And that would be the cherry on top. That's how we would wrap this all up. And so we did, five years after we wrapped up the series, we did a feature film, theatrical release, It was a huge hit. It was sold out 100 theaters across the the country. The response was amazing. And then that TV show went on, or that movie, went on TV. And the response on TV was huge. It was the most watched thing that year on TV. And so that made the network basically call up and say, listen, there's clearly still an appetite for Corner Gas, for these characters in this situation. Would you like to do more episodes? But... I didn't really feel like we should just go back and do more of the same. And my partners kind of felt the same way. We thought, but at the same time, you like to have a job, right? You enjoy being <laughs> employed in show business. doesn't happen all that often. So uh, we said, well, if we were going to do more episodes, what would we do? And I have a background in um, cartooning and illustrating. And um, actually, when I left high school, the only other thing that I, aside from stand-up comedy that I thought I could maybe make a buck at was animating. I went, to, I went off to school to study animation. I ultimately didn't. I quit four days into my college career. I I quit during orientation week. I was like, yeah, this is not for me. So it was a pretty natural thing to say, well, what if we we did an animated version? Let's see what that would look like. So we were kind of intrigued by that, but we didn't know if that would translate well. So it was important to me that we not do this unless we felt it was right. And so we decided, well, let's just make a three-minute demo. And we'll know from that We'll be able to tell if this feels like it's the right thing to do or if it feels like it's a desperate grab at something, you know. Yeah. Uh, if it'll feel clunky. So we did that. Um, but also in the process, too, I should mention, we one of the guys who wrote on Corner Gas, his name is Norm Hiscock, he also wrote on King of the Hill. So he was a guy who understood our show from his time writing on it, and he understood primetime adult network animation from his time on King of the Hill. I was able to go to him and say... I just kind of ran it by him. I said, Norm, we're thinking of doing an animated version of Corner Gas*. What would we do differently? How would we write the script differently? And he just said, don't do anything differently. This is the perfect show to animate. Just write more scripts. This will work great. So we were kind of emboldened by that. And we made this three-minute demo. And uh, he helped us develop. Uh, I, I wrote the scripts with him in a development capacity. Yeah, we, we made that three-minute demo. And we all watched it. And we said, you know, this feels good. This feels right. It doesn't yeah. feel clunky or out of place, or you know, just felt like. If somebody said about fifteen seconds into it, you forget that it's animated, and you're just watching more corner gas episodes.
0: Was there any any other sort of iterations of the show that you thought might work rather than an animated version?
1: This is where I reach for the puppets. Would <laughs> be great if I suddenly had puppets here. Um, no, we didn't really think of any other iterations. It was just kind of. I, I was leery to do any more Corner Gas, but I was intrigued by the animation idea, and that was really the only other thing we considered.
0: You didn't consider any any spinoffs?
1: No. I just felt like, you know, what we had, a big part of the magic that we had with Corner Gas was this cast acting and reacting with each other. And I think, you know, generally speaking, spinoffs don't have a high success rate. They almost always have a feel of trying to, desperately hang on to the magic and then it often doesn't work Mm -hmm. so it wasn't a real uh, appealing notion i don't think any of us considered it seriously for any length of time
0: if you were to consider it which way would you take it
1: i think there's two natural ways to go either a cop show or Mm -hmm. uh oscar and emma i'm not a big fan of the spin-off idea rarely does it work the ones that do work generally are ones that have almost nothing to do with the original like like Mark and Mindy is a off of Happy Days. You know, it has nothing to do with Happy
0: Days. So you have, to, you have to think of the broader aspect of the characters. Which could you spin off uh, like Wes or Paul or some of the lesser known characters, I suppose?
1: It. Yeah, that would almost be the more, you know, in some ways be the more logical thing to do creatively. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't have confidence that any of it could work.
0: The animated show is took with the audience. Did you expect that?
1: No, we didn't really know what to expect because, like, we felt that we had made a good project. We were happy with the project, but you'd never know if people are going to get on board, especially when it's a known beloved entity like Corner Gas was. Now we're putting a different wrinkle on it that could put people off. But the opening, I mean, when I travel doing stand-up, I talk to people after the shows all the time, and, and the note, you know, it seemed like people were positive and receptive to the idea, but they were also wary. They were like, you know, there was a real kind of, don't screw this up kind of, we yeah. really like this show, don't don't taint us, don't sully it. <laughs> so when the show debuted, the animated show debuted, it broke the record for the highest rated debut of any show in the history of the Comedy Network. We were all very pleased, and response from people was good, but we also thought, okay, that's the opening. A lot of people would check in to see if they liked it or not. We'll see in week two or week three if those people stick around. And they did. The The show ended up being, over the course of its run, it was the highest rated original show in the history of the Comedy Network. So people stuck, pardon me, people stuck around. They liked it. The response, the feedback has been really, really good, really overwhelmingly positive. So uh, it seems to be working.
0: Was there any reason why it went to comedy first rather than CTV? Because really? it went the other way around, didn't it, this time?
1: Yeah. Um, you'd have to ask them. That It was an internal decision uh, at CTV or Bell Media, I think that they want to use Corner Gas. It's a known brand, a popular brand, so I think they're using it to drive traffic to certain platforms. So okay. I think their notion was, let's just see if we can get more people over to the comedy network using this show as leverage. But that's oh, speculation okay. on my part.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, it make- makes perfect sense. So it hit big, everything's working, and now we're heading off to season two, which yeah. is exciting. Did you do you expect to get that far? Were you, was it, are we going to get a season two? Did, did you think you'd get that far?
1: Or... Well, I mean, once <clears throat> it once it looked like the numbers were staying high for season one and the response from people was really good, we, we got the green light for a season two. We didn't have to wait a long time for it. It kind of came about quickly. And then we had to deliver the show quickly. It was a short turnaround for when they wanted it. So we really had to hit the ground running. I also feel that season two has really taken a step up from season one because... Season one, you know, we had to spend part of our time and our resources and our brain power creating the system, the infrastructure, because it didn't exist before. Right? We yeah. were creating the, sh- the show and the pipeline to deliver from scratch. We had to: see what does the show look like? What do the characters look like? All those things. Had to build the animation team. Uh, we worked with a, a fantastic company in Toronto here called Smiley Guy. They do the animation. So yeah. all that infrastructure had to be created. Well, for season two, it was in place. So we could really focus on the creative. The result of that is I really think that season two took a step up creatively. The, the, the scripts feel tighter and funnier. The episodes themselves move better. We invested a bit of time to create what they call in the character turnarounds. We created extra positions so the turnarounds are smoother. Every, I, I just think everything is working and is smoother and funnier and tighter. It's a step up for season two.
0: That's one of the things I was going to ask. I'm going to use Family Guy as an example. In the first season, the animation is fairly basic. So obviously they, you know, they haven't got much invested. They've got to see how well it takes off. And then it hits big. They get a bit more money to put into it. And then suddenly the animation, everyone's got shadows. And uh, <laughs> things like that in the animation. Now, with Corner Gas animated, I feel the animation was fantastic. It looks great. So, season two has that, obviously that that seems has that taken a, a step further. as the animation in?
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. It's incremental steps, but it's so the quality of the animation is incrementally better. Like I said, there's a, a, a couple extra turnaround positions and things like that. And in the dream sequences, we've done a, we've gotten taken things a little farther a little bigger and they yeah. look a little better. Some of the, you know, like you said, lighting effects and just some of the post-production effects that we put in are a little step up. But the show still feels like season one. It's, it's not like the show has a whole new look. It's not that different. Everybody liked season one. We wanted to do more of that. This is just a little bit of fine tuning, a few tweaks that make everything move smoother and, and look a little smoother.
0: Was it harder, obviously the, the gestation period for season one, it's a bit longer obviously because yeah. you've got a massive time constraint between season one and season two. You said that the writing is, is tighter and everything, but is that born from the, uh, the time constraints? Or is it harder to pull it off?
1: I think it's more born from just doing it. You know, it's like anything else. The more you do it, the more repetition you have, the better you get at it. And we assembled the writing team for season one, and it was uh, some familiar faces in the writing room and some new people. And so, you know, people are getting up to speed and all that kind of stuff. There's always a bit of you're a little rusty. You haven't written episodes for a while. And then season two, we were in the stride. I feel like we spent season one getting good. I feel like season two is the dividends of that.
0: Uh, I'm looking forward to to both seasons, actually, as I know many people are. You must get tired of people asking, when am I going to get it in country here?
1: No, I would get tired of it if people were going, you know what? I couldn't care less when (laughs) when we get it. I would get tired of hearing that, but uh, hearing that people are looking forward to it and wanting it in their uh, in their country, in their region, then that's good, I'll listen to that all day. And we're, you know, just so you're listening to know, we're, we're working on that very thing right now. We're hoping to have news on that front soon. I actually,
0: I open up the questions to people, a massive fan called Sharon. She asked, is there ever gonna be a, an animated movie?
1: I don't know, I don't think so. I don't foresee it, it's certainly not in the plan. It's not in the work, you know, never say never. Right, I'm yeah. actually doing an animated
0: version of Never Say Never, the James Bond classic. Oh, ah, yeah, the classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't
1: know.
0: It's got Kim Bassinger in
1: it. It's old. <laughs> that makes it classic.
0: Yeah, I guess so. And Sean Connery with his accent. <laughs> season two, uh, are we going to expect anything different from uh, season one? That, that more, is there going to be a, a big bigger story arcs or anything
1: like that? Not really. I mean, I think one of the keys to Corner Gas is keeping it small. It, the whole thing is that I always say there's never going to be any character arcs in Corner Gas. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's not going to be any story arcs that go throughout the season. Every episode begins, stuff happens, and then we come back to the starting point. Everything is the same as it was when we left. That's, that's kind of the key. That, that smallness is thematic in the show. The whole notion that things don't change in Dog River and when little changes happen, it causes giant ripple effects that people don't like, um, <laughs> you know, that's kind of a, it's thematic for us. So, you know, for me, it's just important that we keep creating episodes that feel like corner gas and, and they don't start feeling like something else.
0: While well, you've been thinking about ideas for episodes and what have you, have you ever thought about an arc? that? You think, oh, maybe we could do that. Is there anything ever come up that way or do you just dismiss it completely?
1: I nix it. I, n- I nip it in the bud. Any t- any talk of arcs get squashed quickly and rapidly <laughs> underfoot.
0: I think that's a good thing, actually, because uh, like you say, it's more sometimes, especially in this age of streaming and things, people, their attention spans get shorter and oh, I haven't got time to remember all that stuff.
1: Well, I just always want people to be able to watch any episode, any time, in any order, whenever one pops up in front of them they can sit down and watch it and enjoy that episode they don't need to have a bunch of backstory or know what led into it or why is this character feeling this way i take it from my personal experience i used used to be when x files was on tv i was a big fan of x files then they started kind of getting very serialized it really started having these through lines and these through arcs and it kind of lost me that that way i really like the standalone episodes where there's Hmm. some something happens that they have to get to the bottom of spend the episode doing it and then it's resolved uh, in some fashion it's just a personal taste thing that's how i like my television i like to digest my television in chunks that each one is a standalone satisfying chunk
0: i find that so I, I don't sleep very well so i watch a lot of my television that's of CD two or three o'clock in the morning but your brain's not entirely engaged so you can't i, I always look for something like i can watch that episode of Archer or Family Guy, or whatever. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I, I can't concentrate on, on the important things like relationships and yeah. and, and how far the zombies yeah, but, are away.
1: You know, with Corner Gas, there's a familiar element to Corner Gas. There's a comfort to Corner Gas. And I think that's one of the reasons that people uh, watch it. It's, it has that comfort factor. And I don't want to start messing with that. Throwing, you know, raising the stakes.
0: You've got a lot of special guests this season.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, now, I was sent a list. And I don't know how many of them are secret. Uh, 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 I don't think
1: any of them are secret. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I think we could throw them, throw them all out into the world. Fantastic.
0: So Michael J. Fox.
1: What? That's fantastic. Oh, really? really? Did yes. I get that right? <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, I am a big longtime fan of Michael J. Fox. I used to love Family Ties. I thought it was like the perfect sitcom. It was comfortable, funny, smart. It just had everything going for it. Everything I want in a sitcom. And I always just was a big fan of him as most of the world became a big fan of him in that show and then his movies. And so it was very surreal to me to find myself in his office in New York directing him for his guest star appearance in Corner Gas Anime. Animated. Very surreal. It was very one of those how did I get here kind of moments.
0: It was that more exciting than Justin just Trudeau? Did I sp- pronounce that correctly? I Trudeau.
1: Trudeau, sorry. It was, uh, yeah, I'll just be honest. It was more exciting, Michael J. Fox, because, you know, prime ministers come and go, right, you know. But with the Prime Minister Trudeau, the nice thing is we, we had a, a long-standing tradition now of having sitting prime ministers make appearances on Corner Gas. We had two prime ministers on the live action show. We had Prime Minister Paul Martin, followed by Prime Minister Stephen Harper. And so we thought, wouldn't it be good if we could continue that and get uh, Trudeau to be on the Corner Guys animated? And so he agreed to do it. And it's one of those things that it makes it easy for them to say yes in the animated world, because I can just bring my recording gear to them. We took, I think, 25 minutes of his time. It's much less of a logistical investment. So you can get people to say, and same with Michael J. Fox. I was in and out of his office probably 45 minutes. But, but part of that was, you know, sitting sitting and talking hockey.
0: <laughs> what are what what Justin's acting chops like?
1: Good. He was quite good. He seemed like he wasn't sure of himself. He said, I, I, I don't want to screw this up. Make sure I do it right. Don't be afraid to give me direction. Give me lots of direction. And then he said, you know what? Just tell me how you want. Give me a line read. Tell me how to re- read the line. He said, how would you do it if you were me? And so I read the line. He said, OK, I'll try and do it like that. He was keen to just make sure that it worked, which I appreciated.
0: Fans will be very pleased to see that uh, Jan Arden's
1: back. Yeah, Jan Arden, who had made a, uh, she did a cameo in the live action as well. And now she has her own show on CTV called Jan, uh, which is doing gangbusters. So we reached out to her to see if she would do a cameo appearance. And it's very, very funny. uh, Top and tail, she's in two scenes, uh, not as herself, she's playing somebody else. Ah. Kind of a run in with Wanda, funny scenes.
0: One of the things that came up weeks ago, I asked people if you had a choice of cameo appearances who would you? or characters secondary characters that have appeared in the live action show to come back to animation like the tax man was very popular yeah. uh cousin carl but yeah. top of list colin mockery oh is that right yeah everyone we, wants colin back
1: well well, well, <laughs> yeah. well that's yeah. a talented guy right there he's he's money in the bank he's a uh, comedy gold Okay, i'd have him back in a red hot second maybe we'll look into that if they if it's the if the public is demanding it if people are demanding more mockery
0: well i say the public demand there's like my three readers
1: does that weeks? count yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um yeah he was right very- and colin james came up as well oh yeah surprisingly his cameo is very fleeting so I, c- I couldn't believe somebody said oh colin james and I'm pleased being a guitarist as well, so that would be great.
1: Because
0: he's a talented player. Yeah, he's fantastic. And he came over here rec- uh, fairly recently. I didn't know. He was in support of Beth Hart, and I wish I'd known. I would have gone. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I missed was out. Was Craig with him? Craig no. plays with him sometimes, you
0: know. Yeah, absolutely. Got to, they play a lot together as well, they, yeah. because the odds are sort of his backing band to some degree, I believe. Yeah,
1: in certain situations, yeah.
0: I'm hoping to get Craig on here, but I haven't asked him yet. I shall flutter my eyelashes very soon, I'm sure. Yeah, that'll uh, Now the show's gone gone global on Amazon Prime, has that had uh, an effect on the production of the animated series? Have you had to think, well, this may be shown you know, 50-plus countries. Do we have to change the humour? Do we have to change the relationships between anything?
1: We don't worry too much about that. Um, sometimes that we're wary of references that people won't, won't get. If something is uh, a really specific, ingrained Canadian reference, we might look at that twice, whether we want to include that or not. But for the most part, we don't worry about it. it. It tends to play internationally. You know, I always say, like, you know, I can watch a British comedy and love it all the way through. And there might be a line or a reference, you know, that I, somebody will say it. Oh, it's like Tippy Wiggins' hat, and everybody has a big laugh. You know, <laughs> on it's like I don't know what that means. Who's Tippy Wiggins? I don't know what, what's his hat look like. The rest of the show holds together for me, so I don't mind if I miss a joke or not. And that's It's one of the reasons I think Corner Gas traveled. The show is much more universal than uh, it might look at first blush. You know, people sometimes just, they say, "Oh, it's a show about a gas station in Saskatchewan," and I always say it's not. It's a show about how people interact with each other. Um, yeah. It happens to take place in the small town of Saskatchewan, but the characters are quite archetypal, you know, the, the situation is pretty archetypal. So there's a lot of universality to it. And I think it's, it's easy for people to follow. We've had people from Sweden say it's exactly like their, their village in Sweden. and We had a guy from New York City say it's exactly like his neighborhood in New York. So yeah. uh, it, it travels really well. What was
0: interesting, I, I had a quick look at my stats this morning just to see where.
1: The fun way to start today.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's just very exciting.
1: All the <laughs> cornflakes and
0: scour through some data. Yeah, absolutely. A few, few percentages. Because so we got the, the 50 countries plus that Amazon is showing. I see that the, the, the things have changed where, where my site's being looked at. It used to be Canada was on top. Then England, probably because a lot of people that I know are reading. And then USA. Now, USA has just suddenly shot up the list. Yeah. So they're... Yeah. They're really excited. Then Canada, now England. But then I also get, I made a list, there's Russia, France, Germany, Ukraine, and the United Arab Emirates is huge. I got 43 views in the uh, United Arab Emirates yesterday. So it, it does is that a surprise that it can, it can stretch to uh, countries that are English isn't their natural language?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm a little surprised by it, that. But, you you know, there's English as a language travels really well. It's it's a very popular secondary language for sure. And there are expats all over the world in different countries. So, you know, I I remember going to do stand up in Singapore and the the notion was, you know, are they going to get are they going to get the humor at all? And it was, you know, a lot of expats from, you know, like either Canada, the States or Britain. That was probably 60, 70 percent of the audience. Oh wow! Cool. So I, I, you know, we're we're really living on. It's a global world. I was going to say that's it seems like a really stupid thing to say. It's kind of a global world we're living in now, but people, uh, you know, travel the world so much and they they set up shop, they live other places. So it, it did surprise me, but it, maybe it shouldn't have.
0: Television in, in general seems to be uh, that the face of it is changing. What was streaming and everything does that force different. Um, decisions in the show's creation.
1: Yeah, we don't. We try not to worry too much about that because you know you can only be so proactive before you start really damaging the creative. I really want us to focus on the product and just tell stories. I think the universal thing that's never going to change in all of this is the human element. How how we digest our content is going to change, but at the end of the day, if you have good stories and you have characters that people can connect to and they're saying interesting and or funny things, that's a good recipe no matter how things come down the pike, you know, how, how we end up, di- if we're watching things in holograms and <laughs> 15, you know, story and good characters that engage people, that's since, you know, sitting around the campfire in the caves till up to now, right? Story and character is everything. And I think if we, if we continue to focus on that, then we'll be all right.
0: Speaking of characters, uh, have you ever thought of bringing in some more main characters?
1: Not really, because we have eight. We have eight main characters. And, you know, the show's 21 and a half minutes long. We're really maxed out in terms of (laughs) how many main characters we can have in in a half hour show right now. It's hard to make sure everybody is represented well and has a lot of good, funny stuff to do. Uh, it, It would get very fragmented if we had more than the eight that we have now.
0: Is there any room for, say, a a suave English gentleman or maybe a cockney? Because I know a fella. Uh,
1: I don't know. I've never met one. Have you not? Yeah, I could see somebody breezing through, uh, (laughs) a Brit coming through, turning Dog River on his ear. Because he talks strange, the way he talks is strange to their ear. (laughs) What is this weird accent he has? Well, that's actually your mother tongue that he's speaking.
0: (laughs) Comedy gold. So, well, <laughs> yeah. I, as I say, I, I know a fellow, you, know, you know, it's uh, just putting that out there because somebody dared me to.
1: <laughs> Daniel Craig.
0: Yeah, yeah he's OK. And so much if you like people that stare and pout a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> who does it?
0: One thing that comes up quite regularly is, is will we ever see the return of Thunderface?
1: Yeah, that's one of the things that I get a lot too. Thunderface. And they want to see the River Dogs hockey team. Those, oh, those yeah. are. So I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we re as David story would say, re uh either the hockey team and or Thunderface, rock and roll, the rock and roll orchestra.
0: Somebody even suggested an album.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, somebody can go make an album then. That seems like a lot of work to me.
0: Uh, well, so the thing is, I, when I spoke to Craig, he said you're pretty handy with the guitar.
1: Yeah, but that's the problem. If it was like, you know, just if somebody said, here, take a year and bang up an album and you don't have to do anything else. Sure. And that'd be fun. I'd love to sit down with Craig and do that.
0: Obviously, you performed guitar for the Queen.
1: I did. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like she commanded it or anything. It's not like she was keen. It was really <laughs> sort of forced upon her and she was uh, willing to and, well, I, I was emceeing a big event. I was It was the Saskatchewan's 100th birthday, right? The 100th, the centennial celebration for Saskatchewan being a province for 100 years. And she and Philip were in attendance. And I was emceeing the show and I was singing a song that I wrote called Nothing Rhymes with Saskatchewan. Cause it seemed appropriate to the event. <laughs> and uh, I don't know uh, how much she enjoyed it or not, but she's very personable.
0: Is she as tall as she looks on the telly?
1: Yeah, she's about that big. Ah, fantastic! She's only we. <laughs> she's no bigger than she is on the money. Really? Yeah,
0: size. You can do a thing with a fi- ten-pound note if you fold it a certain way. You can make no, never mind.
1: <laughs> I've heard this. I know where you're going with that.
0: <laughs> Which kind of leads me to tomorrow. You've got a big event um, coming up with your first uh, stand-up yeah. record.
1: Yeah, my first full-length stand-up special that I'm uh, producing myself. And, you know, I've, I've done lots of stand-up on other people's shows, uh, other people's productions. But I've never just kind of produced my own stand-up special. I thought it was high time. Here I am, well into my 30s. At 21, I thought. So. <laughs> I'd probably get this done. So, yeah, I'm uh, doing stand-up tomorrow night, recording special at a real classic live show venue here in Toronto called the Danforth Music Hall which is uh, just celebrating its 100th birthday, actually. As a oh, right. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Ho- hopefully we can cut it into something that looks good and has a few laughs, and I'll make it available over there in the UK.
0: Yes, please. I'm looking forward to it. Is it, is it going to be a retrospective deal kind of 30 years of best-ofs? Uh,
1: not really. I wouldn't put it like that, but it is going to be a mix of some stuff that's in my act, in my touring act now, it's been in there for a while and some new stuff that it, that i've just kind of written uh in the last couple of months it's going to be a nice kind of mix in old and new i'm so it out take... in the world for posterity so so why haven't you done it before i just kind of held on to the material you know once you do a, a special and get it out in the world uh, it, to some degree that material is burnt a little bit especially if it does well then a lot of people have seen it and with comedy it surprises everything and so just kind of as a business guy, kind of I, I weighed the value of retaining that material versus getting it out in the world and broadcasting it. And I always just kind of felt, well, there's a better dollar value to me having that material in my pocket. But now, you know, it's time. It's time to get it out. I want it to be be out in the ether, and, and so people can see it, not just in places where I'm performing live.
0: Do you ever get people asking for a request? Can you do that? Can you do the Fabio thing? Can you do?
1: <laughs> yeah yeah Abby, the big one that people request and yeah a lot of a lot of the old old bits that i get people who see me on just for laughs or something and then they they request those bits a lot so and sometimes i'll do them. when somebody shouts out a bit while i'm doing a live show sometimes i'll do it if i'm in the mood i'll say sure i'll do that other times i'll say I was, i'm not taking requests this isn't a nooner radio show <laughs> but uh yeah i mean I, I i never i never kill off material i always keep it in the uh In a grab bag, good and handy, you can pull it out if the situation arises.
0: Will you be doing the Q&A thing?
1: I don't know. I might. It's such a fun part of my stand-up act now when I put those on my YouTube channel, uh, The Butt Pod. People seem to enjoy watching those. So I'm debating whether towards the end of my stand-up set tomorrow night, I might just quickly run off, grab my camera and come out and do a quick Q&A with the audience. Because the beauty of it is, like if, uh, I always say, if it doesn't work, if nothing good comes from it, we just pretend like it never happened. We just edited it out. It didn't happen.
0: The butt pod, how's that going?
1: It's going gangbusters now. The, uh, uh, I'm having the same experience that you're finding with uh, the readers. I have more subscribers on the ButtPod YouTube channel now from the U.S. than I do from Canada. The Amazon Prime experiment has taken off gangbusters. It's really finding a big audience down in the States suddenly people are kind of researching see who, who I am and what I'm about, and they, they find the ButtPod, so, and they subscribe.
0: What made you um, sort of jump into the, the whole vlogger and podcasting community?
1: I've always enjoyed doing radio. Well, I, you know, I'm a chatty guy. I like to sit in the app and, and uh, try and be funny. You know, the podcast was a, an appeal, and I, I've been a guest on people's podcasts and enjoyed myself doing that. Um, so I thought, well, this is something that's fairly, technically fairly easy to do. I'm not a super technical guy, so there's something I could do and have fun with it. The, the thing I didn't anticipate was how difficult it was going to be for me to find the time to sit down and, you know, have any kind of conversations with people. It's hard to schedule. So the audio podcast has been kind of difficult for me to maintain a steady schedule. But when I started the uh, the video companion to it on YouTube... Uh, that kind of took on a life of, of its own because I can travel with my camera when I'm on the road doing stand-up or I can, I can sit down for five minutes with a buddy and uh, shoot a quick, funny video. I have a lot more flexibility in how I create content on the YouTube channel. So that has kind of pulled my attention away from doing the audio podcast. Not that I'm not going to continue doing the audio podcast. It's just easier for me to stay on top of the video podcast and I have a little more flexibility with what I can do. So the channel is a lot of fun if, uh, if your listeners, uh, readers want to check it out just go to youtube the butt Bud. and uh and hit make the sure subscribe. you type it that. oh yeah that's very
0: important absolutely because otherwise you get hundreds of pictures of batman
1: yeah that's <laughs> the problem
0: <laughs> among other things so wh- which do you prefer doing the, the audio or the, the video
1: oh, i, I kind of like doing them both the, the video is more fun for me to there's there's more that i can bring to the table so that's kind of fun and I've always enjoyed the editing process. But I edit the podcast, too. Uh, uh, they're doing a little audio edit to cut up giant chunks of, you know, stammering. And, yeah. and like to keep it moving tightly. Which is one of the things I think more people should do on their podcasts. There are a lot of podcasts that I'm interested in listening to. But, man, they'll drag on sometimes. Just a lot of him and Hans. And he'll, mm-hmm. The guy who to make soup for... Uh, <laughs> they Move it along. Time is precious here.
0: I've I've learned a lot about that in the last month or so because um, I bought this podcast about. I didn't really want to do one because I hate the sound of my own voice. Um, I certainly don't. Voice. You, you, it's amazing how many ers and ums and ats and big yeah. dead air because I, I did um, training. Uh, I wanted to be a DJ myself years ago before I did stand up. All that training has gone by the by apparently because they teach you it's how great. to not to do ers and ums. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like anything; you got to just say on top of it. You get rusty. You
0: get out of practice oh yeah because i forget how old i am sometimes how long ago it was
1: yeah <laughs> so, i know what that's
0: like yeah well you're being a 21 year old you're you know you've got years ahead of you yeah yeah
1: exactly spread <laughs> that around <laughs> absolutely spread that around. people look at me and go god he looks terrible for 21 guy. Okay. <laughs> that's the door what's wrong with
0: him that was an uphill paper round
1: <laughs> yeah road hard and put away west as they say <laughs>
0: So any 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 other exciting news coming up? Any, anything uh, like your screenplay you're working on?
1: Yeah, writing. I mean, I'm always writing something, writing a movie right now that uh, I had an idea for a movie that I like and uh, trying to get it into good shape. Uh, but again, it's one of those things where are so, selling only so many hours in a day, right? Uh, so between doing touring, doing stand-up and uh, delivering season two of Corner Gas animated, I don't have a lot of time to hammer away on it. So I'm... I'm hoping I'll have some time this summer.
0: Uh, I was speaking to to Monique Lawn's wife a couple of weeks ago, and she recommended to me a book called uh, "The Coffee Break Screenwriter." Oh yeah, uh, write your script in ten minutes. So I bought that. It's really good. It's because uh, I'm doing the same thing, and uh, between trying to pay bills, it's not happening. So uh,
1: yeah, um, the the hard thing for me is that um, my job is writing script. So then on the coffee break. I step away and go write a script. It gets, yeah. it gets a little bit of, bit of a
0: busman's break.
1: Yeah.
0: I suppose my, my, my ending question I had, since I suppose to, to let you get one on your way, I know you're a big comic book fan. Are you a Marvel or DC guy?
1: I'm, I'm probably historically more of a Marvel guy than DC guy. I mean, I grew up as a big comic book fan. I, you know, I haven't I don't follow contemporary comic books now. I'm not like a collector. I don't read avidly now, but I, I certainly grew up as a comic book fan and dreamed of drawing for the comic books. I was probably more a Marvel guy.
0: Obviously, I, I love when you put out the uh, your uh, back of script uh, doodles you've done.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. And I
0: I I can't I, I have to admit to um, trying to magnify them so I can read the script, but I've and yet, yet to, <laughs> I've yet to learn to read backwards. So when it says Epi Diddy Flock, I have no idea what that meant. So, <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I figure if somebody's going willing to take that kind of time to try and figure it out, good for them. I'll let them have it.
0: I did that once. With Weird Al Yankovic puts backwards messages in his rec- records. And back huh. before there was internet and things, I, I put a, a vinyl on, did lots of uh, processes to find out what the message was that he'd put in there. And it says, geez, you've got a lot of spare time on your hands. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Excellent>.
0: <laughs> so if there was a big fight uh, between Spider-Man, Batman, the Sasquatch, and Betty White, who would win?
1: Betty White would be killed first, no question, and that mix. Listen, I got a lot of respect for her, but she's uh, we human, old, and has no powers. So she would get dusted quickly, probably by Sasquatch. I think Batman and Spider-Man would probably prefer not to destroy Betty White. It just doesn't seem in their character. Sasquatch, what? He cares. He lives in the woods. He doesn't care what anybody thinks.
0: Absolutely.
1: He would, uh, yeah, he'd crush her. And then it would come down to the three of them. Uh, but I don't see, I don't see uh, Spider-Man losing that competition. No, I. I... It, it, it all depends. Are you giving Batman three years to create some specific suits specifically to fight a spider person? Because then maybe. <laughs> But if we're just talking about if they ran into each other on any given night in a a city where the universe is across and Sasquatch happens to be strolling through town uh, (laughs) unprepared for each other, I don't see how um, Batman would have the tools to compete with Spider-Man's speed and strength.
0: It might depend who's who's playing Batman at the time. Adam West Batman got them all wiped out.
1: (laughs) I think I could take Adam West Batman.
0: (laughs) I was thinking maybe Sasquatch wouldn't win because he doesn't exist, but Spider-Man, Batman, and Betty do.
1: I think, yeah, I think Sasquatch <laughs> at least exists as much as Batman or Spider-Man do. <laughs> By this criteria, Betty White is our runaway winner. Absolutely. That's the criteria you're using to determine the victor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Especially if she's been on the Sonatogen. Oh, my God.
1: I out, Nelly.
0: I think I'm, I pretty much best let you go. Thank you ever so much for your time as ever. Um, well, always
1: a pleasure always a pleasure
0: and i appreciate all the support and everything else and and thank you for not suing me into the next millennium
1: uh it just seems like a lot of paperwork well That's yeah. the only thing holding me back from <laughs> it too much paperwork
0: absolutely well i i appreciate all the same and
1: all right thanks ian good talking to you
0: so there we go. You can take your 3D glasses off now. There's a couple of things on there that I found quite interesting that Brent said. Um, one was how surreal it was when he f- was in the office with Michael J. Fox, somebody who he has admired for so long. Well, I feel the same way. The fact that somebody here from little place in rural England can be speaking to Brent Butt, somebody that, that I admire so much. I mean, when I started this website over two years ago, I wouldn't have ever imagined that it would have led me to this podcast episode or any of the ones that have come before it, and some that are coming after, I know what they are, and they will be revealed shortly. But uh, I really do appreciate Prince spending so much time with me, considering how very busy he is. It's very generous of him, and I appreciate it very much. So uh, where do we go from here? Well, tune in next time, episode 5, Um, which will be a few weeks away but we have some fantastic surprises for you and I look forward to seeing you on my percentages in the morning over my cornflakes. Take care, bye bye.